Hello, and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth, and this is season four, episode one, The Canon Will Be Made, with Matt Schumacher. Thank you for sticking with Future Prairie all the way to season four, and thank you for supporting our work through a difficult year. In 2020, we managed to financially support and lift the voices of 46 queer artists living and working in Portland, Oregon, while creating online content that would allow us to continue to collaborate while staying home to quarantine for COVID-19. We provided three Black Portland-based artists a creative basic income of $1,000 per month for three months, and you can read more about those artists and their amazing projects up on our website. We also fought for arts funding at the city and state level, mobilized the community in support of Black creatives during the Black Lives Matter movement and afterwards, and we produced an original short musical film called Living in the Light, which went on to win awards at the Alder International Short Film Festival, the Portland Film Festival, the European Cinematography Awards, the Canadian Cinematography Awards, and the Prague International Film Festival. I'm so grateful for the ways you've supported us whether by making a donation, sharing our content with your networks, or watching and commenting on the video we produced for BBC News. I can't do this work without your help. And if you would like to offer us any support or allyship in 2021, I would love to hear from you. You can always email me, joni at futureprairie.com. That's J-O-N-I at futureprairie.com. Now onto the show. You know, it's kind of like teaching you keep what works and you jettison the rest. I guess constraint, oddly enough, can be liberating. It's an appropriate time for works of protest. It's heartening to remember that great art can and will be made, you know, even in the most difficult moments. The life force of all creative work is play. Today we're going to be hearing from Matt Schumacher, who has a PhD in English from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and currently works as a professor of English at Eastern Oregon University. He's the lead editor behind the Portland-based literary journal Phantom Drift. He publishes poetry, fiction, and art, and he loves to celebrate and nurture fantastic literature from the Pacific Northwest. His specialty is presenting simple foundational ideas in unique and strange ways, and he's passionate about showcasing weird writing from all over the world. He received a $3,000 grant from RAC, Portland's Regional Arts and Culture Council, to keep Phantom Drift running throughout the pandemic. In this episode, he speaks with us about moving play into process, how to manage a tenuous artist collective during an economic crisis, the importance of creating art during a crisis, and how poetry can support the community during challenging times. Here's Matt. Hi, everyone. My name is Matt Schumacher. My pronouns are he, him. I'm a resident of the Kent neighborhood here in Portland and managing editor of Phantom Drift, a Portland-based literary journal, whose mission is to celebrate and support writing in the strange and fantastic in the Northwest and all over the world. I've been working on the 
magazine since its inception 10 years ago. And I'm also a poet who's published six collections of poetry, most recently the collection on Missing Suspiria de Profundis, published by Grand Ghost Press last summer. It's a collection of fantastical prose poems with a time-traveling poet anti-hero uh, who eventually collides with the opioid crisis and the drug war. Having been raised in Iowa, I often think I was drawn to the fantastic due to long-term exposure to cornfields and prairies, wide open spaces and imagining what, what might be before me. As a poet, too, I've been most influenced by the Surrealist Dadas, by the French and Italian group Ulipo, by ancient myth and poetry and translation, and by the deep image poets of the 1970s, I believe in the revolutionary power of the fantastic and in its ability to create alternate worlds and speculative situations which multiply possibility. And in what Tatarov, or Zavit Tatarov, called the duration of uncertainty, and in Viktor Shlavsky's uh, notion of defamiliarization, i.e., uh, presenting common things to readers uh, in strange ways that help them to uh, rethink reality. So, Phantom Drift, our mission is to nurture and advance fantastic writing, writing of the weird, surrealism in the Northwest and throughout the country and in, in the world, we do get international submissions as well as, well, a lot of submissions from the area. We're currently in the process of publishing our 10th anniversary issue, which I'm really excited about. We're almost done selecting work and we're nearing the proofing stage. I think the last few stories are, are being decided upon as we speak. Uh, we have a team of four poetry editors, four fiction editors, whereabouts, a webmaster, a graphic designer, who the Rack Grant has allowed me to pay early, which I'm, it felt really great to be able to do that. But we're hoping that this year will be able to print our most impressive issue with even more work than usual, including some essays in particular by our editors. I know for a fact that we should be featuring an essay about the Peruvian poet Cesar Vallejo, uh, and also the Mexi Mexican uh, fiction writer Amparo de Villa. I do think about the future. You know, I have quite a few goals for the journal. First of all, I'd say just uh, stability and being solidly ensconced in the literary field, because we're, I see us as a sort of precarious rare bird and I really don't think there's another journal like us in the United States at this time. Uh, tangible goals for us would include an expanded readership, more submissions. I'd like to see uh, particularly in poetry, poets out there, bombard us, saturate us please. Um, and as long as we're able, I see us as continuing to offer area writers and artists publishing opportunities and an unusual and lively showcase for featuring their work. We'd like our journal to help inspire and kindle the best of, of writing. And we welcome submissions from Portland authors and artists. Ideally, we'd like to partner with other local organizations and hold future events. I have this pipe dream of holding a carnival of the weird fundraising event with poetry readings, booths, music, 
from local bands. Yeah, stu stubbornness first, I guess, is, is some advice I would give on longevity, perseverance. I think we were funded one year by literary arts, uh, the careful uh, management of, of uh, what you have before you. Um, and, and, you know, surrounding yourself with people that will help in, in any you know, the capacity that is necessary. I think, you know, I feel like it's easier than it used to be when I did all the poetry. Um, I usually write the intros to the Mac journal too. Uh, I would say, you know, time also gives you the, you get kind of accustomed to what you're doing and you figure out what works best. And so a decade of, of making a journal, there are, there are benefits to longevity. Um, I think the, you know, it's kind of like teaching you keep what works and you jettison the rest, I guess. And I, my advice for artists, like at this time, it's obviously challenging time to be making art. Uh, it's an appropriate time for works of protest and for advocacy on the behalf of the victims of police brutality and social injustice. Uh, I'd say it's heartening to remember that great art can and will be made, you know, even in the most difficult moments. So I would say the great art of this era needs to be and will be created. And it will face some of the racism and injustice our country has failed to acknowledge. And I think that's, that's an exciting prospect um, and a necessary one. And I was giving a, a friend of mine this advice the other day, a friend of mine who's he's, uh, been talking about not writing poetry anymore. The, I advised him to remember the, the life force of all creative work is play. You know, there's a Dutch theorist, Johan Huizinga, uh, in his book Homo Ludens, which uh, works as a wonderful reminder of, of this concept. While in the more highly organized forms of society, religion, science, law, war, and politics gradually lose touch with play, so prominent in the earlier phases, the function of the poet still remains fixed in the place here where it was born. Poesis, in fact, is, is a play function. It proceeds within the playground of the mind in a world of its own, which the mind creates for it. Their things have a very different physiognomy from the one they were in ordinary life and are bound by ties other than those of logic and causality. If a serious statement be defined as one that may be made in terms of waking life, poetry will never rise to the level of seriousness. It lies beyond seriousness on that more primitive and original level where the child, the animal, the savage, and the seer belong in the region of dream, enchantment, ecstasy, laughter, to understand poetry, we must be capable of donning the child's soul like a magic cloak and of forsaking man's wisdom for the child's. Try to move a bit more play into your process. And I think that, think about enlivening the process with 
whatever tools you have to make it more ludic, I guess, more more celebratory, more fun. I would say the most of the literature that I encounter that I really love for Phantom Drift has that as a center, a centerpiece. It's playful at the level of language, or it's attentive to the sound of the language. It's playful in that realm as well as with the realm of ideas. So I don't think you can lose if you if you uh, you know your practice includes plenty of play in it. And I would you know go straight to the source, read Hazenga's uh, book, uh, chapter seven, if you're a poet, but, but you know, dabble a bit throughout it. Um, it's, it's an instructive piece, I think. Um, and of course, uh, as a writing teacher, I can tell you that collaboration, seeking, which, you know, of course, we're social distancing at the present time, but certainly, um, if you have friends that can present you with prompts or possibilities for creating art, that's that's an added benefit. You know, you can form a group that uh, where you give each other prompts. Um, sometimes that's freeing; that frees you out of any sort of like block you're having. If you're writing to a different goal that you've purpose than you've written to before also i'd say um something that i try to do as a poet i just try to cross out what you've done before you know i don't want to write the same the same poem over and over again so I, each time that i start a new project I, I say hey you know i've done this in the past i can't do this again sort of disallow that and it creates a new space to work in i think that that's invigorating and takes you different places so i guess constraint oddly enough can be liberating you can read phantom drift and check out more of matt's work at phantomdrift.org that's p-h-a-n-t-o-m-d-r-i-f-t dot org this episode was sponsored by the oregon arts commission the national endowment for the arts the Multnomah County Cultural Coalition, the Kenton Action Plan, North Portland Community Works, and the Oregon Cultural Trust. Thank you so much for your sponsorship. The episode was written and produced by me, Joni Whitworth, and edited by Matt Larimer. The music for this episode was written and produced by Standing On End. Check them out at standingonend.bandcamp.com or on Instagram at standing on end. If you have any questions or feedback about the show, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out at futureprairie.com or on social media at futureprairie. Thanks so much. <laughs>